0: Just a little public service announcement before the latest episode of Dies in Your House. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of my own and do not represent that of my employer. New York this, New York that. Yo, is Staten Island even really part of New York? A 5 in Manhattan is a 10 in Staten Island. If you don't know what Staten Island is, it's like New York's abortion that lived. ...representing Staten Island. I mean, Staten Island boys a no joke. Well, Staten Island? I cannot overstate how truly insane that would be. It's called high. For some people, it lifts them up and out of whatever low-rent, depraved hopelessness they're stuck in. Short respite from reality, from the stone cold reality that they live in—a racist country run by bigoted old white guys who won't give them a break on education, and then bitch when they go on welfare because they can't find a job. So, this happens to be Staten Island. Believe me, I know the difference. Staten Island boys are no joke. It should still look the same. Staten Island. Oh, awesome. This ain't Staten Island. Charlene. There's only so much freemandering you can do in New York City because you're dealing with mostly blue neighborhoods uh, with the exception of of Staten Island. Hey, yo. Who's in the house? Dies in your house. What is the word, peeps? What goes on? Jay Porks here. We are back. Here on Spotify, every weekend for free, just go to Spotify, search for Dies in Your House. Or, if you've got the podcast app on your phone, you just search for Dies in Your House. On both of those platforms, you can leave a star rating, you can follow, subscribe, whatever you need to do, share it with your friends. If you're in the middle of working on your mixtape, but you're interested in democracy, hit up soundcloud.com slash House, And every week you get yourself a brand new episode of, you guessed it, dies in your house what is the word what goes on what it do what it be what it is more importantly what's the vibes i'll tell you what the vibes are war but we're gonna get to that in a second um i'm gonna say this a lot besides that the views and opinions expressed on my podcast are that of my own and not that of my employer i'm gonna say this a lot this episode i need people to understand me I'm not a foreign policy expert. I'm just saying. But the foreign policy things I'm going to be pointing out today, you do not need a foreign policy ex- to be a foreign policy expert to understand them. But you might be wondering, Hey, Jay, I work with you, or I've seen you on the street, or I used to go to school with you. What the hell is this? What are you doing to me? Why are you subjecting me to listen to this? Well, basically... Because voting's important and we need to pick strong leaders and we need to pick leaders that are going to make decisions based on what we want to happen because that's how democracy works. And the further away we go from democracy and the further away we go from voting mattering, the closer we get to fascism. And I don't need to sit here and explain fascism to you. I could just call on the wonders of technology to do that for me. So I will. Hey Google. What is fascism? According to Wikipedia, fascism is a form of far-right, authoritarian ultranationalism characterized by dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition, and strong regimentation of society and the economy that rose to prominence in early 20th century Europe. That's not the road we want to go down in in America. So what we have to do is we need to continue showing up and showing out at the polls. We need to vote in our local elections. We need to vote in our general elections. We need to vote in special elections. We need to vote when there's a dog catcher election. I understand that they don't really elect dog catchers, but you know what I'm saying? It is important because our leaders eventually decide what happens. Like, the leader of our, our city council, whatever, decides what happens in our city. Our senator, our governor, decides what happens in our state. You know? And it goes on federal level. And when it gets up to the top, you got somebody that's meeting with other heads of state, other heads of other countries, and we're, we're, we're brokering deals. This earth, this is all our planet, and there are a lot of countries that disagree with our way of life, and we disagree with their way of life, but at the end of the day, we all have to communicate effectively, you know, in order to, for everybody, every country in this world to get what they desire and that is whatever they've designed for there to be whether it's personal freedom whether it's not whatever the case may be Ukraine has been invaded So let me start off Do you remember why Trump got impeached? I know, I know it's stupid, but I'm just just to give us where where we're at Trump was impeached because he didn't want to send money, military aid, to Ukraine. Ukraine is an ally of America. Again, I'm not a foreign policy expert. I'm just going to tell you who our friends are and who our, who's not our friends. That's basically the extent of this I know. And I've got some uh, a Twitter thread from a former uh, soldier who I will um, read to you. In a moment to break down a little bit more of what's going on there. So there's a lot of... Listen. The world is not over and this is not World War III. We are not there yet. Everyone needs to chill. (laughs) It's bad. It's really bad. And we pray for the uh, Ukrainian people. And we want them to survive this. And we want them to come out a stronger nation. So let's go back. Trump got impeached the first time for trying to not send the help to Ukraine, the the military aid. The military aid they needed to protect themselves against Russia, who was sitting there for like six years saying, we're going to invade you. So we, America and other countries in NATO, have been supplying military aid to Ukraine. The idea being, we'll give you guys the guns and the weapons, and you guys can fight the war. Much like we, I mean, we tried that with Afghanistan, and they laid down the weapons. But that's that's another story. We're not talking about Afghanistan anymore, remember? Remember when I said we wouldn't talk about that anymore? Because people aren't there anymore. But now we're here. So the idea is we send guns to Ukraine, we send, you know, military aid, we send money. For defense stuff. So they could fight their own war. And you know, as NATO and as aligned powers, we're gonna keep telling Russia, yo, chill. This isn't how the world works. This isn't like risk the game of world domination. You know what I'm saying? You don't, we don't colonize anymore. The countries are basically just, dis- these are the countries now. <laughs> we're not drawing more like. We don't gerrymander the world. Russia can't wake up one morning and say, we want Ukraine. Ukraine is Russia. So, a few key points. Anybody that... Any, like... Person like me, walking the street, going to work, getting on the bus, whatever. Normal people, driving to work, whatever the case may be. Um, If you're somehow under the notion that Ukraine is a part of Russia, or Ukraine was a sovereign state that broke away from Russia... That is inaccurate, and I just need you to understand that. The USSR, the Soviet Union, the United Social Social Socialist Republic, or whatever it's called, Soviet Socialist Republic, they disbanded in 1991. So that was a bunch of countries in Asia were considered the USSR, and they they disbanded. You know, Yugoslavia became the Czech Republic and... I might've mixed it up, but either way, a bunch of countries broke off. Ukraine, they all broke off from the USSR. They weren't all Russia. And then they decided to break off. Okay. So this idea that Ukraine was ever a part of Russia, it was not. It used to be aligned with Russia because it was on the same country. Most of Asia was the Soviet union. If it wasn't China, that's that's the communism connection there. So, Putin has always wanted and also um like point a key point in all of this is that it's not like oh people don't like the decisions Vladimir Putin makes. Vladimir Putin is a murderous dictator. Who will slaughter his own people just to make Americans mad. That's what they did. It's not an exaggeration. So, this guy is a, he's a madman. Therefore, there is no like, and again, this isn't like my hypothesis. I've collected, I've, I've collected opinions from people, from smart Pundits and people have been national security advisors and stuff like that. I don't pay attention to crackpots on YouTube. Um, Madmen, Putin, he doesn't have a strategic, you know, genius plan. He's not this. He's not a risk taker. He's a gambler. He's not. He's not looking for this. He doesn't, the end of this is him dead and he knows that. Or the end of this is him out of power and in jail. He knows that, so he's going all in now. The fact of the matter is, Ukrainians are strong. Hell, they're stronger than us. Alright, whatever, don't take it personally. But like, you think about me and you, right? And when I say me and you, I mean you regular person. You want to join the army? Because I got to tell you, if America was fighting a war right now and they said, hey, anybody who wants to sign up can come sign up, I'm not signing up for that. No way. I'm not doing that. The Ukrainian people have been, everyone's been going to the armed forces stations or whatever and bringing their passport and they're up, they're getting a gun Defend your country. They're excited about it. They're excited to defend their... Do you understand? I I know it's... I'm not a foreign policy expert. And I've never been at war. But we like to have that passion. When you have passion when you're doing something, it makes so so much more of a difference. And I know it sounds like, oh, I'm talking about miracles and, and rainbows and unicorns. I'm not. The Ukrainian people want to fight not because, oh, we want to live. They want to fight because they know that they are a free nation, free from other nations. They are Ukraine. So we got... There's a... A retired soldier who works... Who's the commissioner for the American Battle Monuments Commission. So it's like, uh... Basically, headstones from war heroes and stuff like that. So, he had a, he was on CNN the other day, and he has a Twitter thread talking about some things going on called uh, Battlefield Math. And uh, I'm going to read a little excerpts from this, just to highlight some points here. Because there's another... Like, you know how in America we treat soldiers like they're God? And that's why we take care of shit Russia doesn't do that they do the opposite in Russia it's like you go to I fight war you go to war you fight war you fight war you go home in America it's like yeah let's defend our freedoms much like I was just describing with Ukraine it's like yo we're Ukraine we're standing here what up Two major factors in most military folks considered to determine combat power the force's resources and the force's will. There are more elements under these capabilities and categories that contribute to military capabilities. Resources, that's like quantity, size of force, number of, sol- number of capabilities, air, artillery, number of soldiers, air equipment. There's also the force's will. Soldiers morale, a belief in the cause in which they fight, support they receive from both fellow citizens and their government's leadership, their unit leaders, respectively, they get what they get from their comrades. Values are a big piece of this, and if you've ever met a soldier, you know that. (laughs) There are historical examples where a force with superior will can defeat a force with superior resources. Forces with an unshakable belief in what they are fighting for, with the right support, can overcome a force that seemingly has superior uh, resources. The Russians currently have an advantage on the resources, the quality, the quantity of their force, of provides a quality of its own. Their equipment is relatively good, not great. Their artillery and long-range fires are devastating, but they and they have air superiority. But Russian training sucks. And this person, Mark, Mark Hurtling, in, par- uh, in parentheses says, "I have, I say this having seen Russians train and seeing how they conduct their exercises. Their log and intel is clumsy. Their soldiers are mostly one-year conscripts, not professionals, and they are a poor NCO corps. Their officers, for the most part, are terrible." When Mark Hurtling first served with Ukrainian soldiers in 2004, they were also poorly led, trained, and disciplined. But they have improved significantly because of revamped training. (coughs) Sidebar, the revamped training came when America kept sending money over to Ukraine military aid. Since then, back to Mark Hurtling, since then... Ukraine's army has continued to evolve and now they have an extremely supportive population, good officer and NCO leadership, and they are professional, they are a professional force with a good ner- reserve ready to support and their government is also supportive. Add to this, Ukraine now has allies all over the world, more support. Putin has turned the Russian effort into one receiving scorn because of the lies and crimes he has committed. That will worsen our, the Russian forces that will worsen as Russian forces continue to commit battlefield atrocities, which they will. Ukraine had a first tough day. Tomorrow will be tougher. Combined, Rus- combined Russian conventional, unconventional, cyber air, arty, and special ops tools will be tough to address. But Russia is still on the offensive, so they have to act, and they must continue to move. They will wear down. Though Ukraine's initial defense wasn't great today, it will improve. Whether called an insurgency or a guerrilla war, Ukraine will wear down an enemy that has already has low morale and even lower support from their population back in Mother Russia. And if you don't believe it, look at the protests going on in Russia. There's thousands of people flooding the streets, they are getting arrested, they don't care because they are protesting Putin's murderous regime. Don't discount the Russian army's increasing unwillingness to fight for Putin. They will see their cause as being suspect, if they don't already, and they will experience more battlefield deaths than they anticipated, which will cause more protests at home in Russia. It will likely be a long fight. Putin will be increasingly portrayed as a loser. He's not a risk taker, he's a gambler. You can mitigate risk, you can't overcome losing a gamble. Putin will go the way of Stalin, Hitler, and Saddam. And Ukraine will be stronger, will be a stronger nation, but only if we continue to stand behind them. So basically, that is a former retired soldier explaining soldier stuff to me. Again, I'm no foreign policy expert, but I was telling this to a couple of uh, people I was talking to the other day. The reports on the Russian army. You know, they don't, they don't believe in what they're fighting for. You know what I'm saying? Americans, I'm just using the Americans as an example. Americans go to war because they believe in freedom and all that stuff. They believe in that. And like, they go to war to fight for it. Russians are at war because Putin told them to. Eventually, they're going to be like, yo, we're the ones with the guns, not you. Got thousands of people protesting in the streets of Moscow and the streets of Siberia. I don't know if it's Siberia. But they're different parts of Russia, they're protesting, risking their lives. Because in Russia, they just kill protesters. Like That's how Russia does. And Joe Biden has been very strong with this. And let's go again about what's been going on. Like, we knew Ukraine was getting invaded weeks before it happened. Because instead of keeping it a secret, all the intelligence that passed Joe Biden's desk about Ukraine being in danger was shared with the American people to let the American people know, listen, guys, Russia's about to do this. Russia's going to do this. And you need to be ready. This is what's going to happen. So it's not like there was any surprises here. And also, the whole world was put on notice. So now all these other countries are like, yo, you got to stop with the... Amer-. And we're hitting them with sanctions. And I know... So sanctions basically were stopping the... We're cru- the, we're crushing their economy, basically. The, the ruble, like the Russian dollar or whatever... The equivalent of like how we have a dollar, like the value of a dollar. The value of a ruble has gone down almost fifty percent, at least over or at least close to forty percent this week. Um, and I just believe that at the end of the day, like so, and Biden keeps saying the right thing, like, the world will respond, he's saying two things, he's saying we stand together, but he's also saying, hey, yo, it's, America's not doing this, like, we're not even the closest to Ukraine right now, so, you know, European nations, you guys got this, right, like, you know, we're not gonna be the ones going over there, even though we are over there, we're over there in support of Ukraine, in Ukraine, uh, some troops, um, it's not gonna end quick, But we, as as a world, again, just going back to the beginning of this podcast where I said this is not World War III, and this is not risk the game of world domination. This is not like Russia is going to take over Ukraine and then Poland and then they're going to amass the Soviet Union again. That's not happening. The best bet here, the best bet here is that the oligarchs, the the rich people, the Russian mob, the rich like criminals in Russia that launder money and that run, actually run things behind the scenes, um, they may have decided that Putin, that they're done with Putin. They might have decided that it's time for him to go and it's time for new leadership. And if that's the case, then he's just going out in a blaze of glory. Uh, In what he would consider glory. Former KGB agent. His whole life, he's been obsessed with the, the fall of the Soviet Union and blaming that on America. And again, I'm no foreign policy expert. So I'm not going to explain the fall of the Soviet Union. I know it was good for the world. I know that. And for all the people in the back who say, Oh, Jay, China and North Korea, they're going to join up with with Putin and Russia, and they're going to take over the world. All right. Um, the president of China has already said that he would like them to diplomatically solve this um so even though he didn't call it an invasion he didn't say yeah go putin also the guy's not stupid he knows he doing business with a madman is not as good as doing business with americans <laughs> so there's that also as far as like other dictators like north korea like kim jong-un first of all we don't even know like kim jong-un's alive Pretty sure his sister's running the country, and they got a body double going on. We haven't seen him since COVID, there's a reason for that. Um, but also, all the like the nations with dictatorships, like, there's no honor amongst thieves. You know what I'm saying? They're all thieves. They're not friends. <laughs> they all want to run the world. They don't want to team up and run the world. They don't want to be allies. So, it's like they just did a bank job, and then it's like, all right, I'm going to shoot you and take it all. And I left his dead ass there by the side of the road. As Bob Weir would say. Um, I mean, that's just what it is. So what we need to do as Americans is continue to do what we're doing. Support Ukraine. But also like when you see Republicans on the news saying like Russia was right and this wouldn't have happened if Trump. Let me stop you right there. You're right. It wouldn't have happened if Trump was president. You want to know why? Because Trump would have recognized Ukraine as part of Russia as president, and Ukraine would no longer be a country. He would have given them Ukraine. Don't you ever start a fucking sentence with, if Trump was or if Trump did. That will never, ever be a thing that ends... In something that is positive. Okay? Putin had pictures of prostitutes peeing on him. That's it. So he tried to hold up the money to Ukraine. And then we impeached him. But Republicans have somehow become Russians all of a sudden. And they're out there parroting Russian talking points. Calling a U.S. president weak is utterly disgusting. And for a former U.S. president to come out and support the president of a murderous dictatorship is just well, it's it's the natural progression of events, I guess. We're voting out the Nazis every November. We go vote. They're Nazis, and we need to stop them so we can save the planet. Jay Porks dies in your house exclusively wherever you thought you hide me from hiding from me on the interwebs.